everybody. Welcome to Babes on the Brink, um, where Annabelle and I have a very special, extra special guest, our first ever winner that we get to interview. We're not just talking to flops. Ah! <laughs> flops only podcast. Oh, man. Uh, the flops only podcast. No, no. Um, we are very honoured to uh, have a good old chat to the winner of Traders Canada Season 1, the one and only Magic Mike. Hey, guys. How are you? So nice <laughs> to see you today. <laughs> Nice to see you too, especially especially because we're, we're, we're I'll, I'll preface it, if Annabelle randomly disappears, it's because her internet is hectic as. <laughs> okay. What can I say? <laughs> Even my internet brings the drama. <laughs> um, how have you been, Mike, in general? Uh, so far, so good. No complaints. You know, I'm still taking it all in, taking the time to process it. But it's uh, it really is an amazing feeling. Okay, so let's go. Let's let's zoom straight forward to the end, um, because that is the the hot topic. <laughs> That's the hot topic of um of of everybody's viewing experience. Um, so obviously your relationship with Leroy and Gerline were critical to you winning. Um, when did your trust with Gerline um start to develop? Because we didn't really see it literally until the last episode. And what made you decide to push her to flip over over um, convincing Leroy? Yeah, so, you know, it, it's funny because I, I didn't feel like I had an alliance really with anyone in the manor. However, I was close with everyone. Like, I felt like I built good friendships over the time. I, I think Gerline and I probably about halfway through started talking more and more uh, same with Leroy. You know, Leroy, I don't think I spoke with him until, I don't know, the fourth or fifth day there. So it was just kind of like we aligned ourselves at that time and we just kind of connected and went with the flow with everything. So I think that's how I got my in with the two of them. Yeah, because I think it's something that Annabelle's pointed out many times is that you guys really do have a really short period of time to make relationships, but things can turn around real quickly as well. Um were you threatened by them at all for being a tight pair and why them specifically over just flipping over someone like Donna? Yeah, so to me, in my eyes, I had no other choice. At that point in the game, if you're looking at the very end, I knew I had to do what I did because obviously we know Trevon was going to vote for me. I mean, that was like, you don't need to be a magician to know that. He, he was basically voting for me throughout the entire game. Uh, Donna voted for me the night before at the round table, so I totally lost any trust in her, and I, I cannot trust Donna either. So I knew, you know, at least I had that alliance, so we had the numbers, but with myself, Gerline, and Leroy. Um, and now, the other thing is, there is no way I would have had, Le Leroy would not flip on Gerline. I knew that was not going to happen at all. So there was no point in even going that way. <laughs> I knew I had more on Leroy than I had on her. So to me, this seemed like the only outcome. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I have to say, Mike, your success, your glory, your charisma, it's got me rethinking everything I believed um, about the traitors. But based on your experience, 
do you think that the distrust and the game dynamic of faithful verse traitor makes alliances fundamentally flawed or redundant in in this game it depends how you play the game right like if you're a faithful it, it, it's hard because you have to align with other faithfuls and essentially have the same mentality like it's either you're going to get out the the traitor but then they're no they're just going to recruit another one or you're going to know who the traitors are take them to the end and flip on them there but it's very hard to i think as a faithful have the numbers aligned at the same time it's like everything has to be perfect for that to work and i think annabelle maybe in your season that that's kind of what happened to you right with luke <laughs> you know you had it bang on but it just <laughs> it maybe would have been better to take it to the end at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even, Mike. Not today, Satan. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Is it safe to say, though, Mike, after that finale, are you team gays for Girlene? A absolutely. You know what? I am team <laughs> Leroy, even Trevon and Donna. I love them all. <laughs> you know, it's because of them I am where I am today and that I want it. So I, you know, no hate. I think we're all friends and it was just nice getting to know everyone, play with everyone. As you know, it's such an intense game, really. You're there and it's like this game that never ends. You continue playing. You know, it's like even when you go to sleep, even though you're not sleeping, you're dreaming of the game. So it's it's really intense. So you, you do build these relationships and, you know, it becomes so much more than just the game. Um, talk us through your decision to recruit Mickey um, and then completely flip. Like We're almost working reverse now. Um, and then immediately throw him under the bus. Yeah, so Mickey and I, we were pretty tight on the show. I feel like we, he was the one guy that I could actually trust, you know? We had a good relationship. Uh, he was so chilled back. He was like, we worked well together. So at that point in the game, there was no one else I could recruit. Like, I was not going to recruit people that I don't trust. Uh, if I think, if I recruited anyone else, I would have been gone the next day. That's the reality. Uh, so I think he was the only person that I could recruit and the only person that I knew that would not turn on me at that point. So, and that's what got me through that round table, right? It was a really close call. Um, yeah. and, and one thing I want to say, because, you know, people say that I, I see a lot of mixed things out there saying I played either a great game, one of the best games, or probably one of the worst games and I just got by. But... <laughs> I am going to say this, that in all of the episodes, I never had that feeling that I was going to get banished, ever. I really thought I was playing an under-the-cover game. And, you know, although people were saying things here and there, I mean, look at all of the round tables. Look at the votes. I, my name hardly ever actually, no one ever really voted for me um, up until that, you know, towards the very end. So to me it made sense and the reason i never wanted to recruit was because i felt like i was so under the radar and when someone did say my name they were usually gone the next day because i would murder them but imagine a game now let's assume i had gerpiar mary kevin all there at the end i would have been toast that would have been the end of me right 
So why would I yeah. keep these people around knowing that they're already, you know, dropping my name here and there? So to me, this is the only logical way that I saw the right way to play the game. Yeah, well, because, yeah, because I think we, me and Annabelle talked about it. It's like your name always sort of, quote unquote, like came up, but you always had some sort of defense or way around it and all that sort of thing. And I feel like a lot of people really underrate that ability because and especially in a lot of these sort of social strategy shows, being on the offensive is always more appreciated than being on the defensive or being a, a real passive act, sort of passive player who's able to put out fires before they even start. And so I feel like that's the thing is that you were really good at just ensuring that, you know, all your relationships are in check, that um, nothing caught wind, all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, I don't think, um, you should ever feel that your win or even the way you played is underrated or underappreciated because I feel like the people that do rate it are probably the people who do see it for what it is and the other people just want to see like basically they want to see like now I know that you've seen Annabelle season but they want to see like the Sam type where they just do oh I'm convinced I'm convinced that the Mike haters fall into two categories they're big brother fans who've never seen the show before and were only watching for Cousy, or two, they're the Facebook <laughs> casuals who just want to see the big players go to the end. No sensible trader yeah. wants to go to the end with a Kevin. They want to go to the end with a Mickey. We back you 100%, Mike. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you guys are the best. Thank you. No, no, it's all right. Um, on that note, what was your experience with um competitive reality TV before you were on the Traders? And how, well, obviously you've seen Annabelle season, so we know you've watched the Traders. Um, but how much did you watch before? Yeah, so I was called onto the show. I've never actually heard of the show before. Um, I guess they were looking for a magician. So I kind of said, ah, this doesn't. I don't think this is for me, and I kind of brushed it off. But then they kept following up with me, and I'm like. This is weird. You know what? Let me watch it. I, I fell in love with it. I watched the US version and I'm like, you know what? Let's give this a shot. This will be a cool experience. So that's why I went on the show. I actually, though, I'm, I, I've never really watched reality television. It's just not, I've never seen Survivor. I've never watched Big Brother. I, I don't even know what these shows are. You know, I know the gist of it, but <laughs> it's it's so new to me. You're not, you're a natural. <laughs> yeah, you totally <laughs> nailed it. So not having that kind of competition reality context, what, what was your strategy going into the game? You were supposed to have a strategy or? <laughs> no, there, there, there was no strategy. You know, this is not a game that you can prepare for. Like, let's be real. Like, this is based on personal relationships and every day is so different, right? So really it came down to, you just have to kind of go day by day and kind of make the right moves because things change so quickly. I mean, there were round tables that I never saw the vote going certain ways, but they did, right? So it's just kind of the way it is. I don't think you can prepare for something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> How much prep did All you right. do? Yeah, but look, look at the difference in the outcome. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Maybe the secret was no strategy, no prep. Maybe Kevin and I could learn from Mike. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, but hey, uh, in both, in anyone's scenario, none, no one could have anticipated the <laughs> cast you're with. So 
I think, hey, you can you can plan up to a certain point, but there's nothing about your cast that you could ever anticipate. True. Now, Mike, we said we're Mike stands. <laughs> we back your game, but along the way, we were we were quite shook by some of your murder choices. Uh, we were we were surprised with Erica. We thought surely she would be banished before Mike. And then Gerpia was the only one openly putting out your name, which would have painted a target on your back. So we want to know, why are we wrong? Why were those excellent choices? Well, you know, I think from the start, when there's 20 people, I think the idea was to just take out some, you know, one of the big stars, I think just so to make people afraid, make a statement. So Erica made sense to me there. Um, although I, I would have been just as happy with Kevin, I think. Um, also with Gurpiar, I mean, he did say my name, right? So it made sense to me. Well, if he's calling me out, obviously with that many people, it just seemed like, why would I murder him? I could murder anyone. So yeah, that I just, I, I didn't see it as a risk at all, really. It was just something that I knew it would fly under the radar and kind of get ignored at that point. Mm, you did manage to paint it as you getting framed. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like I said, it, I don't think people would suspect me just based on that. But imagine now Gurpiar the next day starts talking to more people and, you know, saying about more about our conversation. It, it can lead to us. So to me, it just made more sense to get rid of him at that point. Even though I love Gurpiar, he was one of the nicest guys there. I didn't want to, but, you know, he was the first guy that called me out in the entire game and I wasn't expecting it. And I, it really gave me a curveball because I honestly, like, I, I turned red. I didn't know how to react. I just, like, I was so not ready for this, <laughs> you know, this interrogation. And it was something so, yeah. like, silly, really. It, it was like in the morning we were talking and I was so tired, you know, you, you don't sleep. I just kind of said, uh, and I forgot my train of thought. And I just said, oh, forget about it. And, and that's what he brought up. <laughs> so I didn't want it to become something bigger than it was. Uh, just like a random thought I just had just then, because then, because Annabelle did just remind me that um, that whole thing was about you framing, framing your, like you are self-framing yourself. Like, I don't know what the right way to describe exactly. that is. But, like, you sort of getting away with that. Is that why, at the very end, you had a lot of confidence in sort of um, uh, framing Leroy for the Mickey vote and all that sort like, the all that sort of stuff? You had a lot of confidence in that because you were actually so successful. You, you understood the cause and effect of being able to frame somebody. I, I think so, yeah. I mean, at that point in the game, it, it, it made sense, right? Like... I mean, Kuzi murdered May, but I think at that point in the game, it was too late. There weren't enough players and it brought a lot of heat on her, right? And that was that was her decision. I wasn't, I mean, there was other people we could have murdered, but I think because it happened so early in the game, it was okay to do that. Yeah. So I, I'm getting um, the vibe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, that you're quite an instinctual relationships-based player. Where in your life do you think that comes from and what makes you so good at it? Oh, wow. 
Um, you know, I, I think it's just what I do on a daily basis. Like, obviously, I'm a magician. I'm used to being in front of people. I deal with like hundreds and hundreds of people every week just doing shows or being in front of people. So I feel really comfortable in that sense. Uh, and I think really that that helped me navigate through this game and just have a good understanding on who everyone was. Obviously, there was alliances, but, you know, this doesn't necessarily help you for the best. I mean, look, look at the whole red team, blue team thing. You know, the numbers, because of that alliance, it just kept dwindling down. And, you know, what good was that alliance at the end of the day? So, Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you kind of sort of semi-touched on this before, but, um, like, we obviously brought up the Gerpia stuff, but Kuzi also made some crazy murder decisions herself. Um, were you purposefully undermining her by allowing her to murder somebody from her own team when she had the shield and explain um to us your how you were negotiating your a power dynamic with Kuzi. Yeah, so Kuzi and I we had such a good dynamic. Honestly, like we were I felt like we were business partners in there, you know. It was just like we we would meet we didn't even talk a lot during the days. She was doing her thing, I was doing my thing. You know, we'd have a quick conversation here and there, but that was it. We would meet in the conclave at night and we were always aligned with each other. I think we were a dynamic duo. I think she was a true mastermind, honestly. I think, um, you know, her thinking was good. Everything was good. I, I agreed with everything. I think we agreed with each other. We weren't out to get each other at all. That wasn't my intention either. Um, but, you know, it wasn't that I forced her to make certain decisions. I, I I didn't want to recruit because I didn't see the point in recruiting. That was my main thing. I, I didn't. I, the only thing with recruiting, I thought it would only put us under suspicion because I felt like we were flying so low under the radar. So the, the murder decisions didn't seem bad to me. If we look back at it, yeah, we talked about Gurpiar. The next day was Crystal. You know, Crystal kind of called me out in a small conversation. So, I, you know, I'm okay with that. She doesn't need to be there for the next day. Then Mary at the round table voted for me when she was on debt. So why wouldn't we get rid of Mary? That seemed like the smart decision to me. You know, it's only, um, and I, I think Kuzi had a good hand on it too. I think she felt comfortable at that point in the game um, that the whole red team, blue team thing would blow off, but it unfortunately didn't for her. Yeah. Because I just, because I, I, you kind of touched on it before with sort of how, people have responded to your win and I think one of the things I always see is that um a lot of people and this is what basically Annabelle was touching on with the big brother fans but a lot of people were like well Kuzi did blah 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 all these things and Mike didn't do anything while when me and Annabelle were watching it we saw it as pretty equal um in terms of the moves you did for each of your own benefits and stuff like that like you guys yourselves do see each other as equals in that sense. There wasn't any sort of like, she did 500 moves and I did no moves or anything like that, correct? Yeah, no, I think everything that we did was mutually exclusive. Um, and we agree with you. Like I said, we had, I, I, th that's why I said we had a really good relationship. Up until the night when um, May and Mel A said that Koozie said my name, it was only at that point I said, okay, this is, this is it. She's, I, I had to do something. Otherwise it would have been reversed. Well, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, it's just, I never, I never saw you guys as 
two separate people. I always saw it as a duo. So yeah, it's just so strange that people, because you have won and because he wasn't at the end, that people were so like you were two different, like you did nothing and she did it. Like it was it was bizarre. So no, I totally no, um, I totally get it. Um, early in the game, you're quite fixated on Kevin. Um, seeing a lot of yourself in him, which I guess where where I feel like all of us here are all under that same sort of umbrella. Um, did you view him as the biggest threat to your game there, or was there someone else that emerged eventually? No, Kevin was definitely from day one to me. I felt like my biggest threat in the game. Um, I don't know what it was. I, maybe it was the fact that he, because I again I didn't know about Big Brother or anything like this. I just from the poker world. Uh, you know, I, this is a guy who can read people. He was good. He got yeah. Mel B right from the start. He's good at reading people. And to me, that was the biggest threat in a game like this. Um, so that's why I, I, I didn't, I honestly, I wanted him gone much earlier. Um, but, you know, it, it just kind of worked out. I wasn't <laughs> expecting him to get banished that night. Uh, especially yeah. after he got the shield. It was, it was really, uh, it was, you know, uh, some luck, a victory. I don't know what it was, but it, it was, he was my biggest threat for sure. So I really like this idea that you've, you've had recurring throughout this chat about targeting someone once they're coming after you because that can snowball and, and draw more heat to you. There was one person in this game who you lived rent-free in their head, Mike, and you never murdered them. Trayvon, why did you let him stay? You know what? At that point in the game, Annabelle, it was too late. You know, when he started voting for me, um, it was, I think, just after the death row thing. It, it would have been too suspicious. Uh, and, and that's why I feel like I couldn't murder Trayvon at any point in the game. Um you know, like I said, with Kuzi, she murdered May. If I would have murdered Trevon, I probably would have been the one who went that night. So, mm. um, you know, it's like when there's not a lot of players left, you have to be more careful with these kind of bold moves. <laughs> yeah. I'll um, tell you one thing. In one... the beginning of the game, I felt like I played a pretty quiet game. Uh, and then it was yeah. about halfway through, I started talking more and navigating the way I wanted to see the game played by everyone. But, you know, if you look at the the people that remained at the end, they really were the quiet players in the game. I mean, Gerling, yeah. Leroy, they, they didn't say much the whole game, right? Yeah. I, so yeah. I think this is who ended up being there. Look at Donna. I mean, she was talkative in the first episode, but then she went really quiet. Uh, I think with the exception of Trevon, we were all quiet players. Oh, yeah. And I feel like you, you, I feel like that's sort of a reoccurring thing you see over the seasons is that, yeah, basically there's a lot of sort of smoke and fire at the very beginning with certain people and either um, they survive their banishments and they sort of stick around kind of like a Donna or they just all get immediately because it's too much, there's too much out there. There's so much reason and it always ends up being circumstantially that um, the end game is full of a lot of the quieter people. I feel like the the one part is is that like, yeah, it's only a quieter trader that sort of survives a lot of that. 
which does, which obviously is to your benefit, um, Sari as well, someone like that. Sure. Um, and then like, cause what other seasons, have you, have you seen all of the seasons that are out now at this point? Yeah, but I, I saw them after I got back from filming the yeah. show, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's the, the more quiet players who are confused and don't really know what's going on are, those are the ones that end up making it to the final. Um, so that would be my advice for future players, you know, just yeah. <laughs> listen more, talk less. This is your best strategy. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, actually, speaking on that in terms of tips, um, uh, so obviously you guys take off your robes at the very beginning and, um, you know, Mel B and Kuzi were so shocked that you, you're a trader as well. Um, what is your secret to um, seemingly be a faithful I think to be a faithful is you have to become friends with everyone, even if it's on like on a personal basis. If you can connect with each person individually, you're going to be the best off because at the end of the day, every vote is going to count and each vote is going to count more and more the further you go in the game. So if you can, you know, build good friendships with people, you know, from the beginning, that's I think that's crucial to, to being a good faithful or a trader. Yeah, because I think one of the things that sort of everybody ran into, because I don't know how many people on your cast had watched the show previously, but I think a lot of them early on sort of got caught up in the group think, but without any sort of reason. They were all just sort of jumping on jumping on um, board without sort of thinking about why they were making decisions, and obviously then they all got upset about it and all that sort of thing. Um do you think you sort of benefited from being appearing like somebody who was a faithful, but you know, you had good conviction, you you knew why you'll vote, you knew you had a story on why you're voting and all that sort of thing. Do you think that is also what's helpful? As yeah, well? I, I think obviously, but you have to be able to align yourself with everyone else. You have to kind of know where the vote is going, especially as a trader. So you don't kind of stand out and it's like, well, we all made the wrong decision, right? Yeah, yeah, it can't be just like yeah. you pushed it and then, well, they're faithful. You pushed it again and then they're still a faithful. So now you, people start to question that. But if you're kind of like, yeah, because that's yeah, I, I think one thing is I never wanted to come up with my own theories in there. And I think even Kevin said that you play down your intelligence. Well, no, I brought up everyone else's theories that we're talking because then, you know, I could say, well, I heard that from so and so. Now it's pinned on yeah, them. Because that's, that's, that's what Kuzi got caught up in, in the flip-floppiness. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So much fun to watch. Did, did you have a favourite moment? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? I, I think I enjoyed every day as it came. You know, it was such... Like, it really was outside of my comfort zone. I'm not used to being in these kind of situations. I don't think anyone is, right? Where... You're constantly, I felt like it was in the Hunger Games. You know, you're you're always on the hunt. <laughs> People are trying to hunt you and you're just trying to survive. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's completely outside of my comfort zone. I'm not used to this kind of drama and, you know, trying to come up with things. And I'm used to being on stage and doing magic shows. So this is a completely different thing for me. So I, every day was a challenge and obviously... You know, I took it for what it was. It was really a, a life, uh, it was a life experience. Even the missions, they were so cool. 
because now thinking about it, your performance, your performance background or performance ability, do you think that is why you you were able to, you know, keep it cool, be able to sort of present um, facts and, you know, your showmanship? That's that that was fully applicable to the roundtables, correct? I think so. I think it definitely helps because I'm used to speaking in front of people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, thankfully that helped. The thing that still boggles me is that I came in here as a magician. I didn't hide that from anyone. I even showed the magic. And the fact that I make a living lying, deceiving, manipulating, (laughs) the fact that I was able to, you know, slip through the cracks the entire game with people knowing that, to me, that's the biggest magic trick of all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do do you think that's because people just don't understand what, like they under they understand your job, but they don't understand it, which obviously is half of what is important for you in in performing, I guess, is that people don't know how you did it. But do you think that is why they also sort of um underrated no underrated you, but um No, absolutely. Yeah, underrated you. Yeah, I, I think yeah. you know, and I even made it a point to do like just some cool, like simple card tricks, you know, for the whole group for fun. Uh, you see it in one of the episodes. And I, I think that kind of minimized the threat of being a magician, right? Because they say, oh, he knows some card tricks. He's not a threat. He's fun. <laughs> yeah. But, they, you know, there, there's a whole other world to magic and misdirection that's, you know, far from the stage. So You were so fun on the show. I loved all of the magic tricks that you incorporated along the way. I think the dramatic entrances to the breakfast room were my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Annabelle. If, If you had some advice, if someone's listening to this podcast and they're about to go on a future season of The Traitors, as a traitor, let's say, what would your advice be to them? Ooh, okay. I, w- I would say learn some magic tricks and say you're a magician. <laughs> and then you're, you have it. It's done. <laughs> um, no, I, I, w- I was telling Phil, I, I think, honestly, the best thing is to go in there, make friends with everyone because every vote is going to count. Don't say a lot. Listen more. And go along with the flow. See what other people are saying and just... This is my best piece of advice for anyone wanting to play this kind of game. Yeah. Our big takeaways, have an unassuming job (laughs) and and be a chill person. Don't lie about it and confess to it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't pick a a worse lying job. Like, yep, don't don't do any of that. Um, uh, What was the hardest roundtable for you to keep you cool in as well? Koozie, 100%. Oh my gosh, that day I was just so nervous. I knew it was like, this is it, <laughs> this is do or die. And the fact that we were so, like, we were good alliances and I was going to go, I know, you know, Kuzi is a magician with her words, really. She is a mastermind. And once she gets started, good luck, right? So I had to always kind of stay on top of it. Uh, that was the toughest round table by far for me. Um Luckily, I, I just got to her first because I'm sure the same thing would have happened the next day to me. 
do you so i've got i've had some theories floating around before traitors canada we're talking about the faithful versus the, the traitors of it all um and some people have vocalized a theory that it's it's easier to get to the end as a traitor but it's much harder to win as a traitor i, I wanted to get your take on that mike yes it, i i totally see what you're saying um Obviously, you can't get murdered as a traitor, so that's a huge plus. But you're right, at the end game, it's much more difficult because now if people actually start piecing everything that happened day after day, a lot of those clues can lead back to you. Um, so you have to be very careful. And if they do lead back to you, you have to know how to manipulate it or twist it however you can to get out of people saying your name. But yeah, absolutely, it's it's tough at the end game. and. You know, I, I really had no other choice at the end game. I, I was in a corner and luckily the cards unfolded in my favor, but it could have gone either way. I think you did really well, given the circumstance. Basically, you guys were always set up to fail once they did that dinner party thing and basically you had to turn on each other. And from that point onwards, you got every, every twist got thrown at you and you managed to navigate it amazingly. Yeah, no, thank you. It, it, it's a tough game, you know, but like I said, it's not something you can prepare for. It's just day by day, take it as it comes and just kind of pick the best scenario of what you think will work. No, I just wanted to say, oh, it was so much fun watching you. I thought you were a great anti-hero. Um, it was like a beautifully devastating but satisfying ending so thank you so much for for sharing all of this with us mike yeah that was so much fun and honestly it's been such a pleasure listening to you week after week analyzing <laughs> you know it's um it's really you know coming from other people who have played the game it's it's really cool to hear that so yeah, out of all the people, Annabelle's the best person to hear from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, Mike, where can people find you? And just as a, a little extra teaser audience, if you're not following Mike on socials, you need to get amongst it because I hope you don't mind me saying this, Mike. Mike's profile picture in particular on these platforms, smoldering. It is serving. I was like, ooh. <laughs> thank you um yeah um i'm on social media my name mike durzo um and my website's megamagic.ca you can see uh, all my upcoming shows and where i'll be next um we post them there absolutely fabulous get amongst it and what about you chili philly um where to follow me you can follow me on Instagram at Chili Philly and on Twitter at the Chili Philly. And what about you, Annabelle? Uh, I am on Twitter, Instagram, Annabelle CE. I've got, let me tell you, 30 hours of Love Island Australia season one. <laughs> I just binged in the last two weeks. Um, so check us out on Silent Podcast, Sarah Carradine. What did I take away from that 30 hours of my life? I suffered so you didn't have to. Um, please go and listen to us there. Thank you again, Mike, for everything. This was such an immense pleasure. Thank you for your patience with my internet and thank you for all the fun you've given us over the last 10 weeks. Of course. And I, I truly do hope to make it to Australia one day. So we yeah, will be in touch. And if you're ever in Canada, you let me know. Yeah. Oh. 
I have a feeling that we're more likely to go to Canada and do a group trip than everyone come to Australia. So. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Dan and I are going to watch the bears salmon fishing in a couple of years, so I'll definitely see you there. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. Bye.